You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Amen, church. It's awesome getting to look at the London International Christian Church. I don't know about you, but I feel like we got some room to grow into. Amen? But uh, I I do have to just uh, say thank you uh, to the London Church. Um, Just um, all all the times that I've got to have with you guys. And um, it's all the memories that we've made through the hard times, the good times, the discipling times. I just, um, I'm just super grateful for you guys. This is uh, where I um, really got uh, a lot of my sermon from. And this is where I became a dad. (laughs) This is um, a big part of my heart that I'll always have. Love you guys. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, the New International Reader's Version says in verse 1, Make sure you obey the Lord your God completely and be careful to follow all of His commands. I am giving them to you today. If you do these things, the Lord will honor you more than all the other nations on earth. Verse 12, the Lord will open the heavens. That's where he stores his riches. (laughs) He will send rain on your land at just the right time. He will bless everything you do. You will lend money to many nations, but you won't have to borrow from any of them. The Lord your God will make you leaders, not followers. Pay attention to his commands that I'm giving you today. Be careful to follow them. Then you will always be on top. You will never be on bottom. And the church said, this is such a great promise from the Lord. Where he says, hey, if you are willing to obey the word of God, he will make you leaders. Tell them the lesson today. The making of a leader. Look over in Genesis chapter 37. The making of a leader. Point number one. Tremendous dream or horrendous scheme. Genesis chapter 37. Of course, we'll pick up with the story of Jacob's children. Now, Jacob, we understand, is Israel. He is the very man who was going to see his brother Esau. And on the way, he gets in a wrestling match with God. I mean, some of you like to watch The Rock or Stone Cold Steve Austin, but how awesome would it have been to see the wrestling match between Jacob and God? And of course, God gave him the new name Israel, which means a people who wrestle with God. This is literally a man who's been in the ring. Verse 1. Jacob, or Israel, lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, right Ashley? (laughs) Was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilal and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. I mean, things are looking good at this point. 
Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to them. Joseph had a dream. <laughs> of course, we thought Martin Luther King was the only one who had a dream. But Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You see, it's good when you have your family supporting your dreams. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright with your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Then he had another dream. He told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. Oh, great. <laughs> and this time, the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, <laughs> his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. <laughs> you know, right here we got the young man Joseph, a guy of only 17 years old. And the Lord put on his heart a tremendous dream. And you can think about the different dreams God put on your heart. Especially when you came into the kingdom. And maybe God's put a, an awesome, tremendous dream on your hearts, but some people see it as a horrendous scheme. You see, as Joseph was going out to visit his brothers, I mean, he spent his whole days with his dad in the house while his brothers were outside working. And he's coming out to see how things are going to bring back word to his father. And his brothers aren't really fired up about this because the last time he did it, he gave them a bad report. Sometimes things go, go well with your relationships if you give a bad report. And so now he's coming again, and there's already an attitude between him and his brothers. And he gets really excited because God gives him this dream, and he says, you know, hey, as we were outside working, we're all binding these sheaves of, of grain. And of course, the sheaves is, of course, when you cut the, the grain and you tie it all together in a bundle. And he says, you know, mine's there, and all of a sudden, mine, the one that I was doing, just miraculously just raises on up, and then all of your guys' sheaves, they, they just come in around it and start bowing down to it. Isn't that an awesome dream? What are you talking about? You really think we're going to bow down to you? You're younger than all of us. Who are you to have such a horrendous scheme? And they hated him all the more. First Timothy chapter 2. All right. Come on, bro. In verse 3. It says, well, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. You see, God has put a tremendous dream on every single person's heart. He says, my dream is that every single person in the entire world will get to know the truth and so be saved. So God knows the world is lost. But is God's dream your dream? Or has it become a horrendous scheme? A way for people to rule over other people. A way for people to make money. 
a way for people just to hold stuff over your head? Or is it, no, this is the tremendous dream that God has called me to. I think this was one of the key things when I first became a Christian. Was when I got baptized, I had the dream put on my heart by, I believe God, was to one day lead a church of 10,000. Yes, come on. Yes. But that's not compared to God's dream. God says, I don't want you to build a church of 10,000. I want you to evangelize the world. I want you to save every soul. That means you've got to allow them to come to the knowledge of truth. That means you've got to be willing to go out and teach people what it means to be saved according to the Bible. Right. But is God's dream your dream? You see, Joseph had a tremendous dream that was put on his heart by God. And I want to put that dream on your heart today. To say you too can have a tremendous dream. But point number two, remember who you are in the family. <laughs> Look back in Genesis chapter 37. Remember who you are. <laughs> Genesis 37 and verse 12. Now his brothers had gone to graze their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, I'm going to send you to them. Very well, he replied. So he said to them, go and see if it all is well with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. He sent him off from the valley of Hebron. When Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering around in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? <laughs> and that's kind of how we were before we became Christians. We we're just kind of wandering around in the fields. And of course, you got to ask yourself the question, what are you really looking for? If you're looking for a church that's just going to make you feel good, this might not be the one. Yes, you will feel good, but there's going to be times where you won't feel too good because we'll tell you the truth in love. And sometimes you don't want to hear the truth. You know, it's hilarious. My, my daughter, when, uh, when you get to talking and she knows she's in trouble or something, she'll do this maneuver right here. She literally, she covers her ears and looks away. It's, it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. She's only one years old. Yet sometimes we can be like little children and not want to hear the truth because it's challenging. But if you're looking to worship the living God, and you're looking to find a church that teaches the truth from the Word of God, and call you to the standard that God himself has set, then you might have found the right one. Of course, it goes on. He replied, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? They have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that ferocious animals devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. I think you got to remember who you are in the family. I think Joseph forgot that he was the youngest guy out of the family. I think he forgot that his dad showed favoritism to him, gave him a jacket of many colors, as some scholars have said the ornamented jacket is. And after being so excited about his dream, he then might have got a little proud in his own eyes. Well, 
one day I'm going to rule over you guys. I mean, I already got the jacket. <laughs> How are things going out in the field, guys? The house is doing well. But I want to see what you guys are doing so I can go tell on you. Whoa. And as his brothers get to see him coming in the distance, they could see that colorful robe. And I bet you every one of them was reminded of that dream he, they told him. Oh, man. And the bitterness, the jealousy, and the envy started to grow in their hearts. And they came up with the decision to kill him. Verse 21. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. It's good to have an older brother who cares for you. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert and don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and to take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the rich ornamented robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. When Reuben returned to the cistern and saw that Joseph was not there, he tore his clothes. He went back to his brothers and said, The boy isn't there. Where can I now turn? Then they got Joseph's robe, slotted a goat, and dipped the robe in its blood. They took the ornamented robe back to their father and said, We found this. Examine it and see whether it is your son's robe. He recognized it and he said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animals have devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph to Egypt to Potiphar, one of the Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. What's so powerful right here is Joseph coming from a distance to his brothers. And of course they come up with a plan to kill him. And as they get, he gets closer and closer, Reuben tells him to throw him into this, this cistern. It's basically a big pit in the ground. And so when they get there, they, they make sure they get that ornamented robe off of him. And then they throw him in this pit. And of course, I can only think about what Joseph had to think while he was in that pit. Looking up at him. And as he's thinking, how in the heck are these guys going to bow down to me when I'm in this cistern down here in this pit? And maybe that's where you've been spiritually. Just in a pit. In a rut. And you just feel like, how in the heck? Is God's dream going to be fulfilled through me? And as he looks up, oh my gosh, they're having lunch? What are they thinking? You know, I, mean, I mean, after you throw your brother into the cistern, you, you get pretty hungry. So they start eating lunch. 
But then one of the caring brothers, Judah, he, he goes and stands up and says, hey, hey, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him to these guys and make some money on it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now he's sold into slavery. Sometimes we can forget the tremendous dream. And I think, what was Joseph thinking? How in the heck is God going to fulfill his dream through me when now I'm in slavery? And I believe that's where some people are at spiritually today. Because John chapter 8, verse 31 through 32, that says, If you hold to Jesus' teaching, you will surely be his disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yet I believe some disciples have stopped holding to the word of God. And so now they've enslaved themselves again into sin. And they might be thinking, how in the heck is God going to fulfill his dream through me now that I'm in slavery? But you never need to forget, all things are possible through God. First Peter chapter 5. It's a great passage that can be challenging for some. Like myself. <laughs> in First Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, it says, young men, in the same way be submissive to those who are older. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> all of you, so not just the young men, but all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. I think this was a lesson that Joseph had to be reminded of. And so God had to oppose him and humble him. Yet, I think this was a lesson that God had to teach me. <laughs> and I'm grateful for the lesson I've learned. When I first came to London, I felt pretty awesome about myself. I was feeling pretty good. I had a wife. She was pregnant. We're being fruitful. And the ministry we're in is also being fruitful. I'm fruitful on all areas. I was feeling awesome. And as we get to London... Naturally, my wife is pregnant, so I'm trying to nature to all of her needs. Of course, we have two brothers, Michael and Ola, who know what it's like to have a pregnant wife. And uh, one thing that I didn't get to do, as these men are doing, is still be the spiritual leader. I then started to not lead the relationship. And I'll never forget one sermon that Michael preached was, if you want to be a follower, not a leader, you don't want to be a man, you want to be a woman. if you're a sister who wants to lead it's because you want to be a man not a woman look here in Genesis you know I'm like oh my god surely he's not talking about me in fact he was God had to help me understand that I needed to change a lot about my marriage and my character to be able to get my relationship back to what God wanted it to be because God opposes the proud. I was so prideful. I remember I came here thinking I was going to baptize the queen and, and the royal family. 
Can we be real here? And uh, as I get here, I'm going out on campus, sharing my faith, and, you know, expecting to get some baptisms from day one, and no baptisms. No fruit. Well, the first month goes by, and still thinking pretty awesome of myself. It's just, you know, I'm just new to the area. Just got to get used to London. That's all. The tube. I got to figure out the lines yet. That's because I can't get to the place fast enough. That's why. <laughs> month two goes by. Month three goes by. Month four goes by. Month five goes by. Month six goes by with not converting one person. I still didn't want to learn the lesson. So, God gives me a sore throat. A virus in my throat where I get uh, actually ulcers on the back of my throat. That kicks in shingles where even then I start feeling a little sick but I'm still going to go and bear fruit. And I go out, nothing happens. The next day I can't even get out of bed with a virus with ulcers and shingles. <laughs> I had to just lay there for a couple days and realize God was humbling me. That's one lesson I don't want to relearn, amen? But you got to remember who you are in the family. You got to remember who you are. You got to remember where you're at in the family of God. Because where you once were might not be where you're at right now. And I think sometimes we got to make sure we look at ourselves accurately, not from our own perception, but from the perception of the Word of God and through godly men and women in our lives. Because we can easily get a highly view of ourselves when God puts a great dream on your hearts. Point number three. Allow the promises of God to get you through. Look back in Genesis chapter 39. You guys still with me here? Genesis 39 and verse 1. Now, I remind you, Joseph was in the cistern. Now he's in slavery under Potiphar's rule. Verse 1. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Things are going pretty well. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in the field. So he left to Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, kind of like Dapo King. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Oh no. But he refused, amen? With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns that he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. This guy had a radical stance on purity. Purity. 
One day when he was in the house to attend his, to his duties and none of the household servants was inside, she caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had it left in his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me? He burned with anger. Joseph's mother took him and put him into prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Whew. Is that not a challenging passage right there? This guy is, is righteous before God. He says, I'm not going to sin against my God. And because of that, he gets arrested. But it's interesting what the woman says. She says, this man came to make sport of me. Look right here, here's his cloak. You see, because when she came at him, she tried to grab his, his cloak. But because he was so radical on being a pure man of God, he literally leaves his cloak behind and runs out of the door naked. That's the kind of conviction he had on purity. You see, there's no excuse to get into that type of sin. He ran out of the house. But as she, she's there, instead of telling the truth on how it really came across, she then told her side of the story with bitterness and with deceit and with half-truths. It's kind of like what happens when you go on Facebook or you go on Twitter, or you go on online, and you read one of the stories about our movement. You might find on there, these people came to me and make sport of me. See, here's their cloak. But a lot of times we know that that's not the whole story. As one man may seem right till another comes to question his case. I really believe right here that, that we got to make sure we are men and women of God who are willing to hear both sides. And to say, let's get the facts of the matter. Not just the way it appears. And go by half-truths. But of course here, I mean, how the heck does Joseph still hold on to the promise of God? When he's then in slavery, he gets out of that in a sense because now he's in charge of a whole household and things are going well. But because he takes a stand for God, he then gets thrown into prison. Look over in Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12. And verse 1. Now about your spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. <laughs> you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. That's a great passage in 1 Corinthians there, but it's not the right scripture. Yeah. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. 
The Lord just wanted some of you to hear that one. Amen? <laughs> Therefore, I urge you, brothers, <laughs> in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the church said, Amen. you see right here, the Bible teaches that, hey, when you're willing to worship God with your life, you're willing to be that living sacrifice where you put everything on the line. You're willing to give up everything, go anywhere, and do anything for Christ. He says, then you've got to transform your thinking with the word of God. But when you do that, you understand that you're able to test and then approve what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is for your life. Good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. I really believe that Joseph had to allow the promises of God to get him through. Because <laughs> at that point, I think some of us would go, God, this will that you are doing in my life right now is not good. It's definitely not pleasing. And it doesn't seem perfect. And sometimes we can get a skewed view of God because of the situation he allows us to be in. Right. Yet he didn't understand it was to fulfill his destiny that he was there. In the same way, I didn't understand why I was where I was. <laughs> Why am I here being humbled by God? <laughs> because God needed me to be humble. Because he put a dream on my heart. But where are you at today? Are you able to still be a living sacrifice for the Lord? Are you still hearing the word of God which transforms your thinking? Are you having your quiet times? I think sometimes we get so far ahead of ourselves and we think about all the different things, but we forget to even just hear the word of God and transform our thinking. So many times we want to come up with our plans and our ideas and all these things, but we got to go back and say, what is God's plan? What is God's dream? And are we working to get it done? But I believe if we go to God in prayer and in our quiet times, we will hear the word of God and it will transform your thinking. It will give you the spiritual strength you need to be that living sacrifice. To do the thing God calls you to do, like work all day at mercy after a day of fasting. Amen? You guys know what I'm talking about. You had to have cranking quiet times before you go and serve the poor. <laughs> before you go after a day of fasting and then you work tirelessly for free because you really believe in what you're doing I believe he had to allow the promises to get you through you know when I first got here getting all that discipling that I needed you guys ever seen a hurricane on TV something about a hurricane is when it comes through it destroys everything but there's a time where there's peace and there's calmness it's called the eye of the storm. And it's so funny because in the eye of the storm, you, you, you're calm. It's, it's peaceful. It's clear. It's sunny. I mean, there's, there's no more storm. But no one's going to start rebuilding in the eye of the storm because you still got the tail end of it. 
And as we landed, we went through the pregnancy, we had the baby, we, you know, I kind of got to this point in my life where I was in the eye of the storm. Literally, we, we had this, this, this time together with Michael Michelle, and Michelle, I was, I feel like I'm in the eye of the storm. <laughs> and I'm there, and instead of wanting to get through the tail end of the storm, I just wanted to stay right where I was. If the eye of the storm moved over here, I, want, I wanted to move with, if it was over here, I wanted to stay with the eye. I did not want to go back through the tail end of the storm. <laughs> and I think that's sometimes how we get we can be comfortable with where we're at. Ooh, I've already been through a lot. I just want to stay right here. I don't want to give more than I have to. I don't want to overextend myself. I don't want to give my heart because what if they fall away? And it hurts me. I don't want to get back to the dream I was called to because what if the same thing happens again? That's right. I'm just going to follow the eye of the storm. <laughs> and you'll never rebuild your life the way God intended you to. I really believe we got to be willing to push ourselves. To really challenge ourselves to say, man, I want to go through the storms God has given me. Because I am allowing the promises of God to carry me through. Because I know his word and I know that it's true. And God is going to carry me through it. But do you believe that? Are you willing to come out of the comfort you're in to get back to holding to God's promises? Point number four. Implementing promises. <laughs> Look over in Genesis 41. Of course, we skipped a little bit there of Joseph while he was in prison. He came across the cupbearer and the chief baker to Pharaoh because Pharaoh wasn't too happy with them. And while they were there, they had these dreams. And of course, Joseph had the ability to interpret dreams because of God. And he tells them the meaning of their dreams. And it, it happens just as it was said. The cupbearer gets reinstated and the chief baker gets killed. And of course, all Joseph's plea was for this cupbearer. He just goes, man, when you get back to Pharaoh's side, just remember me. Just remember my name. Remember who I am because I was wrongfully put into prison. And just remember me when you get to Pharaoh. And maybe he will be able to release me. Verse 1. When two full years have passed, <laughs> but that's an easy verse to just kind of skim over. When two full years have passed, Joseph is still in prison. Pharaoh had a dream. <laughs> Everybody in the Bible is having dreams. <laughs> of course, he dreamed about seven good, plentiful years of harvest and then seven years of severe famine. But we look in verse 8. In the morning his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dream, but no one could interpret it for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. <laughs> now all of a sudden the cupbearer goes, Oh yeah, <laughs> there's this guy that can interpret dreams. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that, that's kind of a, a big statement to say, being the cupbearer. Hey, Pharaoh, remember I did that one thing and you were pretty angry about it? So angry you put me in jail? <laughs> Well, in there, I met this guy that, you know, how'd that conversation happen? I don't really know. But of course, here we pick up in verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. Oh, 
Maybe that's where you're at today. This last week, this last year, you've been in a spiritual dungeon. It's dark, it's cold, it's lonely, and you just feel cold. That's where he's at. A gloomy dungeon. Well, he gets brought from the dungeon, and when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. I mean, Joseph finally understood he's not that awesome. He started to understand that God who can work through him is awesome. Yeah. And that's a valuable lesson he had to learn. But what's amazing here is it says once he gets shaved and a change of clothes. You see, in the dungeon, even today in a dungeon, it's, it's not that good of a living conditions. Let alone back at that time, you can imagine the beard that he had. And as he's there with his beard down to his knees, he's got these rattered clothes on, probably the same ones he's came in now. And you can imagine the stench that's coming up from his clothes. And if you haven't showered for a couple days, you know what I'm talking about. And it's kind of hard to live with yourself when you have that kind of stench. And he's got this stench coming from him that he's been living in these conditions for, for a while. And then he shaves his face. They put some nice clothes on him. And he comes before Pharaoh. And he tells him, I can do nothing. But God. God can do it. You see, the promises of God were still carrying him through. But let's see the implementing promises. Verse 37. Joseph hears the dream, interprets to him, and gives him a plan of what he needs to do. How to make things right for the seven years of famine that will come. Verse 37. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh, to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Woo! He's starting to finally see the beginning of his dream being fulfilled after 13 years of the dungeon, slavery, and the cistern. Right. 13 years. You see, sometimes when we get a dream put on our heart by God, we want God to fulfill that dream now. Right. Where is it today? Right. And when you don't get it, you get bitter and you fall away from the Lord. There's so many people that have got heart sick because their hope wasn't in God. It was in things or the blessings of God. Yet, Joseph wasn't one of them. He still had his hope in the living God. And he says, God can do anything. And as he's here, he then gets placed as the top leader in all of Egypt in one day. In one day. Joseph goes from being in the dungeon with a beard down to his knees with the same rattered clothes that he had on when he came in 
to being the top guy in Egypt. I don't see anybody in that condition today. Thank God that's here this morning. But yeah, I know we're all in different parts of our life. And maybe you've been in a cistern or you've been in slavery or you've been in a dungeon. Today could be the day that God takes you from that dungeon and makes you a leader. What God can do in a single day with your life. The Almighty God who created the universe, He can do anything. But are you still having your hope in the living God? Of course, we're reminded of Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Yes! I can't wait for my future. With plans that are blessing, prosper me, Lord. And we get fired up for that scripture, and rightfully so. But I think sometimes we forget to read verse 10. Which says that after 70 years of being in exile in Babylon, will God remember his promise and bring you back? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. You see, sometimes in order to fulfill our destiny, the dream that God's put on our hearts, we got to be willing to go through refinement and suffering to be the men and women with the character worthy enough of fulfilling it. But are you willing to hold on? Yeah. Are you willing to never stop? Or have you given up? Verse 56. Let's look at the fulfillment of his dream. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was so severe throughout Egypt, and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, Why do you just keep looking at each other? You see, that's what happens when the man who has the dream is taken away from you. You sit around and you look at each other. You're no more working in the field. You're sitting around. No longer having a purpose. No longer having a plan. No longer having anything to do. Except sit and look at each other. Because the dream was taken away from him. Why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued. I've heard that there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. (laughs) You see, that's where they were. Physically. But I believe also spiritually. When you're just sitting around looking at each other, you're ready to die. When you get focused on man and just sitting around, not doing the work of the Lord, you are about to die. If you haven't already. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain. For the famine was in the land of Canaan also. Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he said. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. 
Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. You know, right here, Joseph, of course, now he's leader in Egypt, so he no longer has a, a nice-looking beard as a shepherd. He's now clean-shaven, and he's got the head ornament on, and he's got the makeup on as an Egyptian. Yeah. It's been 22 years since they've seen him. And although he can recognize them, they have no idea who he is. And they come up, and they want to buy grain, and what they do, in reverence for the leader of Egypt, they bow down to the ground, with their faces to the ground. Well then, Joseph remembers his dream. <laughs> you see, sometimes I think when we, we things get going good, we can forget the original dream that God gave us. Right. And I think that's what happened to Joseph right here. He was doing so well. He's no longer in the dungeon. He's no longer in slavery. He's leading everything. It's awesome. Life is good. They just had seven years of plentiful harvest. But then a famine hits. And in year two, he's already forgotten the original dream. I want to really call us back to the dream God has given us. Right. To say, we can and will evangelize the world in this generation if we all but take that dream and make it our own. Yeah. Don't forget it. Yeah. But right here, you have almost all of his brothers, they're bowing down to him, but one's not there, so the dream isn't completely fulfilled. So they leave with their food, but Joseph keeps Simeon back and puts him into prison. Why? Because when Reuben, the leader, left, Simeon was next in line as the leader, and he allowed them to throw him into the cistern. So, rightfully so, he puts him into prison. <laughs> of course, they all leave, and after a while, they get hungry again. You see, that's kind of how it is. When you get what you want, then you can leave. But it'll run out unless you come back. It's like those who have left the kingdom of God. They felt good, good when they left, like Naomi. But they come back empty, like Mara. And right here, they come back with all 11 sons. Because Simeon's already there. And they come into Joseph's house. And Joseph comes in to see his brothers there. And we pick up in chapter 45. Joseph could no longer control himself before all of his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence! So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph! Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they have done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God set me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in land. And for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. 
and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. And the church said, the fulfillment of the promise. I'm really encouraged by Joseph's heart. As you can imagine the feelings that were going on when, when Joseph, is, Joseph is standing there with the brothers who sold him into exile, who sold him into slavery, gave him up for just 20 pieces of silver. And now they're before him. Can you imagine if he was still bitter? Could you imagine what would have happened to the brothers? But yet you see Joseph's heart. He didn't get bitter about the cistern and them having lunch without him. He didn't get bitter about being sold into slavery. He didn't get bitter about being arrested and thrown into prison and in a dungeon for 13 years going through those hardships. He wasn't bitter about it at all. Yet he kept focus on God. And in 22 years from the time he first got that dream, he's now standing before his brothers and totally forgives them. Is there anybody in your life that you have quiet reservations with? Is there anyone that you feel like they wrongly did something to you? They sinned against you. They hurt your feelings and they totally betrayed you. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a close friend or relative. I don't know who it was. Maybe they sold you into slavery. Maybe they totally disowned you. But have you forgiven them? Are you able to really forgive at a heart level? To say, I don't see this as just a man sinning against me. I see this as God is sovereign and he allowed it to happen. Is that how you view the challenges in your life? That literally God is trying to fulfill his dream through you if you would but learn from it and allow him to. I really believe we got to be men and women who are forgiving. Who see that God is sovereign no matter what has happened. And we see that it was the hand of God that allows you to go through hardship. Because he's trying to make you into the men and women that can fulfill his dream. In 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse 8, the Bible says this. 2 Peter chapter 3. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't this an awesome heart of God? The reason he doesn't totally eradicate sin in the world is because he wants people to be saved. And he doesn't want to send people to hell. But we understand God doesn't send people to hell. They send themselves there. Because God didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. John chapter 12. And we understand through Acts chapter 4 verse 12 that it's through Jesus Christ that we can have salvation. 
But if you don't believe in Jesus, there is no way that you can be saved. Do not misunderstand God because He hasn't brought judgment today. He will. And if you haven't believed, it's not going to be a good day for you. But of course, Luke chapter 13, verse 3, it says that you better repent or perish. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says that you made a good confession among many witnesses. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it says you've got to repent and get baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins so you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you something. If you haven't done those things, you are in trouble for the day of the Lord. Because on that day, He's already called you to be saved, and yet you haven't done it. For whatever reason. Right. Because of sentimentality? Because of fear? Because of hardship and sin that's in your life? God can change anything in one day. But if you haven't believed and have faith, been made into a disciple as Matthew 28, verse 28, 18-20 teaches, and you've made a good confession that Jesus is Lord at the waters of baptism, your sin is not forgiven, you are not saved, And the day of the Lord will come. We need to make sure that we are fulfilling God's word because he is going to fulfill his. My last point coming in for a close. Numeric hypertrophy. Hypertrophy. H-Y P-E-R-T-R-O-P-H-Y. Hypertrophy. Exodus chapter 1. You guys might know the, the great word of hypertrophy from someone who has taken steroids. But Exodus chapter 1 verse 6. It says, Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were fruitful and multiplied greatly and became exceedingly numerous so that the land was filled with them. You see, they grew in over excess. They became abnormally large. Numeric hypertrophy. I really believe that God is wanting to make every one of you leaders to really fulfill this point. To have numeric hypertrophy. He wants to allow you to grow abnormally large that people can only say it is but the hand of God amongst this group. I tell you to see the church go from 10 people in less than two years to this room today. It is the hand of God. To see the movement go from one church to almost 40 churches in 20 different nations in just five years. It is but the hand of God. I want to give everybody the challenge to have it on your heart to be personally fruitful. To personally meet someone Teach him the word of God accurately and adequately. 
and baptize them. And then walk with them and teach them how to continue to obey everything else that's written in the Word of God. Do you want to take the challenge? Do you want to have numeric hypertrophy? Well, what's the lesson all about? Well, in fact, they're all lessons that you guys have taught me and the Lord has taught me in London. To have a tremendous dream, not a horrendous scheme, you take the T. To remember who you are in the family, to not think more highly of yourself, you take the R. To allow the promises of God to get you through the A. Implementing promises, the I. And numeric hypertrophy, you get N. You gotta train to become a leader. The making of a leader is all about training. And maybe God is taking you through it right now. Because he wants to make all of you a leader. Not just a follower. But to understand a story like Joseph's, it happens even in our day. Yeah. A man was in prison for 27 years in South Africa. Come on. One of the places he was in prison is Johannesburg. Which, Lord willing, in the new future, will have a sold-out church there. And I know our African sister and brother are fired up about that. But being in prison for 27 years, he was then released in 1990. And in 1994, he became the president of South Africa. He was then the leader of the very prison that had him in shackles. And I can only remember a quote from him that concludes my time here in London. Nelson Mandela says, I've walked that long road to freedom. I've tried not to falter. I have made missteps along the way. But I've discovered the secret that after climbing a great hill, one only finds that there are more hills to climb. I've taken a moment to rest here. To steal a view at the glorious vista that surrounds me. To look back on the distance I have come. But I can only rest for a moment. For with freedom comes responsibilities. And I dare not linger. For my long walk is not ended. And God to be all the glory. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one.